This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi Jinx with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Harvey Firestein, who you will know from countless vocal appearances, countless TV and movie appearances, a star of Broadway, a writer, a screenwriter, a playwright. Harvey Firestein is a pillar of the LGBT P. P. I said P. Harvey Firestein is a pillar of the LGBTQ plus community. And I can tell you, I have not laughed this much in an interview, um, probably ever. You know, I think Deborah Wilson cracked me up if you caught that one. But Harvey really, really tickled me today. And I think you're going to love our conversation. So hunker down and sink your teeth into some new... Forever Dog everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by actor, playwright, screenwriter, four-time Tony winner, and advocate and pillar of the LGBTQ plus community, Harvey Firestein. Hi, Harvey. You're going to ask hard questions. I'm going home. <laughs> you no, already think a... you're going to ask why. Cookie, there's no, <laughs> there is no, there is no simple answer to why other than because it feels good. But otherwise, <laughs> there's no answer to why. <laughs> you're already off book, Harvey. I'm off I, book. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hi, Harvey. Hi, James Monsoon. <laughs> we go. We we got a clean take. Hi, no, don't worry. I'm not Barbara Walters. I'm not gonna. I'm, uh, this isn't gotcha journalism. Uh, you no, lead the conversation. Do, Barbara can't do gotcha journalism anymore. She's she can barely get her gotchas on. <laughs> do, do you speak Yiddish? I, you know, I dabble. I have. So, do you know? Have, so you know what gotchas means? I don't know gotchas. Oh, because they just made me. They just made me one. take it out of Funny Girl. Um, gotchas. <laughs> No, they did. Did you know that Fanny Bryce was Jewish? So I put in, you know, you know and I've rewritten Funny Girl. You know, that's opening on Broadway. Yeah, you know yes, that. Yes, absolutely. In March. Well, I think. I think in April. April. It doesn't matter. Spring. It's gonna, Let's it's just gonna, say spring. Spring. <laughs> spring. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, they can't see the hand gestures that go with these ballet moves. But, they can um, hear it in the voice. But they, yeah, they can hear it in the voice. <laughs> but, yeah, so when I rewrote this, the script, you know, back in the 60s, um, people didn't really want to be Jewish. Uh, you know, they would, mm. like, chop off their nose. Well, like, everybody thought Barbara Streisand would never be a star because she had that long name. And they'd, like, say, 
Well, you couldn't put a long name like that up on a marquee. They didn't mean long name. They meant Jewish. Mm-hmm. They meant Jewish. So we didn't, stick, you know, even in, even in Fiddler on the Roof, no one speaks Yiddish or, or Hebrew at all. Um, so anyway, so I stuck a little Yiddish in, you know, just when the she's talking to her mother or whatever. And one of the words I stuck in, you know, when she's auditioning for Keeney's, I have a, I have Keeney say, "Hey, you in the in the blue gotkas, which means blue uh, underpants." And um and 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 the owners of the rights said, mm, uh-uh. "Is there other Yiddish that made it in, or did this one just yes. get cut because it's not as universally known? No, no, no. Well, because they didn't uh, say it on Seinfeld. <laughs> they didn't say it on Seinfeld. Kibitzing, I think, made it in. Mm-hmm. Mitch Goring made it in. Hamasha, Hamasha." Hamish made it in. This, 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 yeah, we got some Yiddish in there. So I, had, I, I changed, I changed Gatkas to unmentionables. That was very, that's very period, right? That would be yeah. like, you know, that would be like family. Your delicates, your dainty. In the 1930s. So you never seen a girl in her, in her unmentionables before. Good luck. <laughs> so anyway, that's, yeah. And that's you were my raised, life. You were raised Jewish yourself, yes? I, I, I was raised from an egg. <laughs> a, yes, and a Jewish egg it was. <laughs> yes, I was raised. I was raised Jewish. Uh, um, I was raised. Actually, when you read the book, you'll see on one corner of my I was born. I was from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. You know where that is? That's where yeah. um, Ralph Cramden lived. You know the honeymooners. It's where yeah. Welcome Back Cotter takes place and Saturday Night Fever. That's all Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. That's that's that area of Brooklyn. That's where I'm from. And so on one corner was the yeshiva of Bensonhurst. On the other corner was the JCH, the Jewish Community House, which is like the YMCA without priests looking in your ass in your <laughs> in your underwear. And um. And so, yeah, so I was, it was Jewish centric. It was like Mm. unescapable. (laughs) Harvey, I just, I want to just take a moment to say like, as a, as a queer person who's, I've known I was queer my whole life, essentially. And, you know, um, when you're a young queer person and you're kind of feeling like the odd one out, you look for little things along the way to remind you that you're not alone. And your voice, just being able to talk to you and hear your voice in my earbuds right now. <laughs> yes. yes, people who hear my voice, they say, oh, I thought I had a lousy voice. Now I feel normal. Now I, feel, I, could, I could like sing opera compared to you. It's just kind of mind blowing because it's like your voice has been there with me my whole life. Um, you know, uh, I I remember being a child seeing Mrs. Doubtfire in the theaters and just remembering the moment of realizing, oh, they're gay. You know, <laughs> Because you didn't see it in movies very often, certainly right. not like family friendly movies. You didn't see the gay uncle and, and his partner getting the dad right. into drag in any other movie. And so for, to have such an iconic voice and be such an iconic person... You know, it's just kind of mind blowing to be sitting here um, in Seattle on a laptop, hearing Harvey Firestein talk directly into my ear. You know, yeah, <laughs> and I didn't have to 
buy you a drink or wine you and dine you. Oh, I'm giving you a bill, but that's okay. <laughs> but you, it's okay. It's okay. I, I take it out in trade. You know, I'm easy. I'm easy. You know, I'm old. I can't run fast, so I'm easy. But um, but that's that's really very nice. And of course, um, oh look at that, my ear things falling out. See what happened? I'm too old for ear things. Um, you know when you when you've been around as long as I have, which is you know since at least Thursday. Um, I grew up with, with, with gay people as well, you know, and I had my, mm -hmm. my role models. Um, uh, you know, I knew Harry Hay, the, you know, the, the founder of, 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 of uh, the Madison Society. I knew those people back in the day. I, I, I was too young to go to bars, but I went to a lot of the GAA meetings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I had all those people to thank, but my first gay people, um, were in community theater. Yeah. And oh, that's where they were. <laughs> yeah, they were at the community theater on Beverly Road and, and uh, Church Avenue. And um, the thing was that I didn't, the gay people I knew were all very happy. Like the director of the theater and his lover had been together 30 years. So I didn't find out. I mean, I knew there were queers and stuff like that, but I didn't know what that actually meant. But yeah. but as far as gay people, I didn't find out we were supposed to be unhappy until I started reading plays or seeing movies that said, <laughs> oh, no, we're supposed to be lonely and unhappy. Because the gay people <laughs> I knew were kind of happy and having a good time. And they were all at the community theater making, making um, oh, they had a wonderful casserole. That those, <laughs> those two queens used to make this casserole. I swear to God, this is what it was. It was it was baked a layer of baked. This thing must have cost like two dollars to feed eighty six people. It was a layer of baked beans. On top of that, a layer of cut up hot dogs. Uh -huh. Over that, slice of uh, uh, um, pineapple slices, whole pineapple slices. Okay. And then and then on top of that, and then a layer of American cheese. Oh wow! And you baked that, and that was, and that was, and that was, and that was Bake a party. Until it's brown and bubbly. It was, <laughs> and if that was a that was a party in a casserole dish. You know, if you hadn't mentioned the pineapple, I would say that sounds like a very straight casserole. But then you well, got the pineapple in there, and it becomes oh, a casserole. Yeah. <laughs> so we have pineapple princess. You have to do at least two choruses of pineapple princess to eat that. <laughs> no, I think it was just that it was so cheap and it was easy to make. <laughs> so. Um, mentioning, you know, the plays you read and the movies you saw, um, giving you the idea that gay people were supposed to be unhappy and right. tinged with a sense of tragedy. Would you say that motivated um, the work that you created to, to show a different side of things, to show your own experience? Some, sometimes it did. Sometimes mm -hmm. it, just, it just, you know, you use your own life. You just say, well, I don't know what they were talking about and use your own life. But um, mm -hmm. well, I'll give you an example of where it did. Um, there was a children's book, and I hope the child who wrote it forgives me for saying all this stuff. I actually <laughs> say it in the book also, so it's way too late to get an apology. But um, he wrote a book called Oliver Button is a Sissy. And it's a children's book. And the whole thing was that Oliver Button liked to sing and dance and all that. And everybody called him a sissy until he did the, the, the school show. And he was so good that everybody went, Oliver Button is no sissy. Oliver Button is a star. And I said, <laughs> you know, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Oliver Button is maybe a star, but he's still a fucking sissy. So I sat be, down. Two things can be true. Well, and often are. 
Oh, I'm looking at your hair and the color that it is right now, and I know there are two things can be true. So, um, so I wrote the sissy duckling specifically yeah. in answer to that. Where mm. when at the end they say, you know, he's no sissy, he says, excuse me, I am the same sissy I always was and proud of it. And, it's, you know, so, so yes, so sometimes you do answer back shit that you saw, but it's hard to answer back, um, you know, like, like Staircase. I, I, I don't know what plays, you know, but like it's an old English play called Staircase or, or Tea and Sympathy and, you know, the, those kind of things that just showed us to be just unhappy and miserable. And then, of course, in American movies, even when we were there, we were just the best friends. You know, we were yeah. that sort of unhappy best friend or the best friend. The novelty no thrown in there for a catchphrase exactly. and to support the 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 female lead in her exactly. endeavors when to I, find when love. I, when I did my my version, you know, when I did, did the adaptation of Kinky Boots, the um the, the black transvestite um didn't have in the movie didn't have a love interest and i said well you know why does the heterosexual one get two love interests and the, <laughs> and the gay one doesn't so i said you know what i don't really have time there's too much story to tell i don't got time to have another love interest so i made him heterosexual instead so i made him a heterosexual transvestite instead and, and had him flirt with all the girls <laughs> instead because it's nice that heterosexuals can't get laid too <laughs> <laughs> Ever the champion for equal rights. Yeah, well, um, truth, truth and journalism, right? <laughs> Jeez, we're in for truth and journalism here. So you mentioned The Sissy Duckling, um, which is a book you wrote, a children's book. Um, and now it's also, you it's have... Also an HBO, it's also an HBO special. Oh, really? Do you voice, do you voice The Sissy Duckling? Yes, I do. I do. Oh, it's a fun cast. Oh, it's a fun cast. Oh, it's a fun <laughs> cast. Uh, Diane, uh, Dionne Warwick sings all the songs. Mm-hmm. And I play The Sissy Duckling. Estelle Getty plays my teacher in school. Uh, Kathleen DeJimmy is my mother. Ed Asner is my father. Um, Dan Butler is the, is the, is the, uh, butch duckling. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Cast. It's an all-star cast. We won the Humanitas <laughs> Award for it from the Catholic churches. Congratulations. You're, you're no stranger to winning awards. You've been around a while. You've been raking well, those in are awards two the whole those time. Those are two different things. <laughs> Being around a while is a whole different thing for winning awards. <laughs> Usually, You've had time to accumulate. Yeah, well, it's, you know, being around gets you into the clinic and winning awards gets you into parties. <laughs> two, diff- two different kinds of tickets. So you have the children's book, but now you have a memoir um, called I Was Better Last Night. And, oh, there it is. Read uh, the the listeners can't see it, but just a quick Google search, and yes. it's a lovely book cover. And you talk about your life experiences, and um, you've had quite the life, Harvey Firestein. I mean, being you you portrayed um, gay characters on television and in films and on stage in the eighties when, you know, that's, we're talking 40 years ago and we're just now getting to the point where there's enough representation that we, like you were mentioning it in the, in the beginning days, we were just the best friend, just the sidekick, always tinged with sadness. Then we got all the way to now queer people are being presented as heroes. And now we are all the way back to now we can be human beings. I know, with but you know, you, you always know that you always know a gay character is going to be a hero if it's played by a heterosexual. 
They'll get them heterosexuals. Love, they'll be tragic, but they'll be the tragic hero because them heterosexuals love to win awards for sucking dick. You know, it's like they will not kiss on screen. You'll never catch two heterosexuals kissing on screen, but they will suck a dick. They'll, they'll, they'll take and one up the. They'll take one up the ass for an Oscar. I'll take it I, for an Oscar. I'll take, yeah, because I was gonna wonder about you know um, yeah. method actors. You know, yeah. No, I think that was. I think that was that was one of the campaigns for um, for Brokeback Mountains. We'll we'll take it up the ass for an Oscar. <laughs> began with you well I don't I shouldn't say began but yeah. um it, it, when when we watched the Barbara Walters interview <laughs> yeah that was, that was my career was already ending by that <laughs> oh cookie a lot of things started for you off Broadway performing yes. in drag off off and off off off, 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 off. well because I my you know a lot of showbiz books that you read We'll start with, and then my mother took me to see a Broadway show, and I looked up at the stage and said, I'm going to be up there someday. Well, that was <laughs> not my life. That was not me. I never wanted to be an actor. I never wanted to be a writer. I never wanted any of that stuff. I didn't really know what I wanted. I just, there's, there's a philosophy I go by, mm-hmm. and here it is, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> um, life doesn't get better if you say no. Life is mm. only as exciting as the times you say yes. All day long, people call you up that you want to go for coffee, you go, nah, I'm doing something. You want to do this now, nah, nah. you know? And, and mostly we say no, we do. That's just the natural thing. Um, we don't even realize we're saying no. When you say no, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. When you say yes, it's not that the world is going to change, but the possibility is there. Something can happen. So I'm in art school because that's... They figured I, I was artistic. <laughs> they figured it out. <laughs> well, they, well, they figured I was artistic. I think that's what they called it in the 50s. He's artistic. <laughs> Put him in art school. So I was in art school. And, and one of the girls said, my mother's starting a community theater. Um, would you like to come to the church and, and help make posters? Because we learned how to letter in art school. So my friend Michael and I, he said, sure. And we went to the basement of this church and, and we're making posters. And because I was high on the on the magic markers, I guess, she said, you want to pull the curtain? So I said, yes. Well, all of a sudden I'm in community theater. I had no idea I was going to be in theater. And then and then um, they were doing um, Our Town. Remember that play, Our Town? And there's oh, two, yeah. There's a little boy. I played the dead little paper boy in Our Town. Exactly. Well, <laughs> So so they were, so the auditions came up and my friend Michael said, I want to play the dead little paper boy. And I said, well, have a good time. And he said, no, you have to audition with me. And I said, I don't want to play the dead little paper boy. And he said, yeah, but if I'm the only one who shows up and I get the role, it'll be because nobody else showed up. So go with me. So I went with him and I got the role. <laughs> as you remember, there were two little paper boys. There was yeah. Cy Crowell and... The other Joe crowd. Crowell. See that? You remember. And so I got the one with more lines. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> one had more lines. And so all of a sudden I was acting. I didn't start mm. out to be an actor. I didn't start out to be in theater. And I was acting. And then, but I was an artist kid, right? And I loved Andy Warhol. Mm. 
Yeah. I just loved Andy Warhol. And um, there was an end. He was also paper. artistic. He was I autistic. Hear. Yes, he was autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and he lived with his mother. <laughs> another, another whole story. He lived with his Polish mother and he let her color in the pictures, you know. So yeah, I drew a picture, color it in. She colored it in. It's a lovely thing. Kept her, kept her busy and she made him Polish food. So um, there was an ad in the paper that Andy Warhol was doing a play and there were going to be auditions at this place called La Mama. What the fuck did I know? So I said, but I could maybe meet Andy Warhol. And I've been in theater. I've been in the community theater. I've been in theater. I played the dead little baby. I played the dead little baby. And it said, you prepare a monologue. And um, so I prepared. And you will understand this. With that Mm. red hair, you'll understand this. (laughs) I came in and did. Juliet's speech from the from the balcony scene of Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Thou knowest the mask of night is on my face. That's what a maiden plus Yes. So um, so I go into this audition and they're screaming. I'm doing Juliet, and there was this little fat kid. I was 16 years old, um, doing Juliet. And <laughs> and these, and here are these, these, you know, underground, arty, farty underground people, you know, Jackie Curtis to Hollywood Lonnie kind of people and all that. And I got cast in the show. Like I said, in- say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> this um, this reminds me of a, uh, my own, I have my own story similar to this. And then it makes me think about like one of the reasons why your presence in the world has been important to me. Um, when I started auditioning after college, there were, you know, my, my musical theater teachers encouraged me to find songs that were more neutral, more, you know, broad. And so I was singing men's tenor songs from 1776 and I hated the material and I delivered the song like, you know, whatever I'm singing. How many times can you sing Mama Look Sharp? <laughs> exactly. Mama, oh, Mama, shut up. <laughs> and Eventually, I just decided I'm going to sing a song that I know works well for my voice. And it was Everybody's Girl from Steel Pier. And that's what started landing me roles. And I mostly, before Drag Race, when I was acting in Seattle, the roles that I played were either, you know, prepubescent boys or middle-aged women. And um, that's what I always wanted to do. I started drag at 15 and always wanted to be an actor. And I was like, there's got to be a way that I can be an actor in drag. And that's what you've done uh, for, I mean, like you are, you originated Edna Turnblad in Hairspray. Um, well, Divine. My, <laughs> well, sister, Divine, my sister Divine. My sister Divine. Divine originated it, of course, in the, movie, the movie. But the Edna in the movie and the Edna in the musical, I, I think are they're pretty distinct. I mean, they, of course, come from the same place. But um, to originate it in the musical and and think about where Hairspray is at today and the fact that you you did that show for two years, nonstop, no vacations. And I think that was one of the, that was one of the moments where I think people started to look at drag and realize that it can be, you know, genuine art. It doesn't have to, you know, sure there's the novelty of a man being dressed as a woman on stage in front of a mostly straight audience, but you played the character earnestly uh, you played the the character 
the way it was written, and it wasn't about you being a man dressed as a woman. It was about you telling the story of Edna Turnblad in the context well, of him. I'll, I'll tell you one of one of the real shocking moments. A not shocking, I because I kind of believed in it. I believed in it anyway, but shocking that I was right because I very <laughs> seldom, very seldom right. I was doing hairspray and I was invited to be in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade mm-hmm. as Edna. Edna dressed as Mrs. Santa Claus. Yeah. And they, they built a float and we had this big 1950s car and the three girls that played the, the dynamites in the show were gonna sing mm-hmm. my backup. And I was dressed as Mrs. Mrs. Santa Claus. You can find <laughs> you can find it online. And um and I sang and they wrote a song for me called Santa Knows, like you better be good because Santa knows. <laughs> and and there I am in the is there anything more American? Then the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade. I mean, so there I am riding on top of this float in the Macy's Day Parade as Mrs. Santa Claus. No protest. Oh, wow. No nasty letters. No booze on the street. No <laughs> no proud boys showing up and threatening with the gun. No Donald Trump. I think Donald was there. I think he was playing, <laughs> I think he was playing an elf. Um, but, um, you know, you fill him up with some helium and... <laughs> let him go and he just shoots around the room but um but yeah i mean you know and then my and my trust in what we do was just complete listen who watches drag race and and by the way you know rue has very nicely asked me to come on as a as a as a judge and i just won't do it but i won't do it not because i don't love the show i watch every season i know all of you i um but but i won't do it because i don't want to judge anybody yeah. You know, our lives are so fucking hard as it is. And they yeah. and we're put up against you, especially in theater. You know, when you have to audition for every role, we're up against people we love. And you don't get a role. It's not because you aren't the best. You weren't that role. It's not that you weren't better than the person who got it. I mean, the amount of judgment in our business is so heavy that the last yeah. thing I want to do is sit there. Though I really enjoy the judging. You know, I tell Ross Matthews, <laughs> yeah. I said, I love you all sitting there judging. I just couldn't do it. I would just be embarrassed to, to say this one was bad. This one should go home. But, you know, and, and to think that Rue has got more Emmys than, than Oprah. I mean, what, what, more Emmys than Barbara Walters. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a, it's amazing thing, don't you think? Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. amazing, and so our, we think because because the press, you know, it's one thing I will agree with Donald Trump on. Them fucking press is such liars because they yeah. give those people so much air when it's yeah. not true. Those people are a little minority of noisy assholes that, and 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 the press is the one who builds them up into something bigger than they are. There's such. Mm-hmm. And you can judge it by looking at the real world. Look at who watches uh, Drag Race. Look who, how you all are, are looked at in this world. I look at how I'm looked at in this world. Nobody, there's no protests against me when I appear anywhere. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an openly gay um, atheist. I mean, I'm everything they say <laughs> that, you know, these people should be against. And nobody's <laughs> against me. We're just all people, you know? So it is the well, press that builds up all that hatred and they build it up because it's good for them. It's good, it makes money for them and they will not take responsibility for it. Well, I also have to think that, you know, people like you who created work that, you know, gave visibility to real queer stories 
back in the day. You know, I think about, um, I was just watching the interview with um, Barbara Walters when you had um, Torch Song Trilogy and La Cage aux Faux on, on Broadway. And I remember, <laughs> there's Barbara talking about Torch Song Trilogy and both news anchors are talking about it like, it's a story about a traditional mother and father, a monogamous relationship that spans many years, but there's one hitch, and they use the word hitch, like, <laughs> but here we go, get this, they're gay. And, <laughs> and the idea of, you know, a monogamous gay couple being you know, earnestly portrayed on stage was just so mind-blowing that Barbara Walters had to, you know, let, let's stop and talk about, are there monogamous gay people out there? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You... But, but there's, there's two things, because you, you got a lot of stuff in that, in that little <laughs> But there's two things going on there. First, the Barbara Walters, which we, which we should gossip about. And, 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 and I have the whole story in the book. Um, the whole thing. And, and for any of you listeners, it's perennially on YouTube. You can't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can always look it up on YouTube. But the other thing is how attacked I was by the gay community, by these mm. people who said, we just fought for gay rights so we can go out and fuck in the streets. So we can go to get, we can go have backroom bars and we can have the bands and all that. And you're telling us we have to get married and have children. You're just, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're a horrible person. You're a, you're just a phony heterosexual. Um, and, you know, so I was, I was more attacked by, by gay people than I was by straight people. Mm. And it was so funny because I've never really wanted to get married and I certainly <laughs> didn't want to have children. Um, well, once I had Matthew Broderick, it, well, you look what it did to my body. Um, just stretched everything right out. And, uh, and once you've had to hang out with children, you don't really want them anymore. The only reason, the only reason they make babies cute is because otherwise people would just leave them on the street. I mean, they're so noisy, but anyway, they're noisy, they're annoying, they cost so much money. Who needs them? Mm -hmm. but, 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 the, but the idea was choice. Mm -hmm. That's what I was always about. If you want, I was brought up in a family with love and, and, and commitment and, and, and my brother was also. Mm -hmm. No one's shocked that he turned out to want to be married and have children and all that. But they're totally shocked that I would. Why? Because I like dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does that change who you, that makes you not a human being anymore? Mm -hmm. So that was the bigger fight. The bigger fight was we can be anything we want. Heterosexuals, you don't have to get married and have children. <laughs> Gay people, you can get married and have children. Yeah. The, the idea is you should be able to choose and you should be able yeah. Now, on the Barbara Walters front, <laughs> what most people don't realize, of course, is that Barbara and I were friends. We knew each other socially. Her um, my press agent and one of the producers of Torch on Broadway was like one of her best friends. So I used to go to her apartment. I mean, we'd go to, we'd go for, for drinks and we got up on that stage and it is so funny to watch the video. And she was like talking to me like she'd never met a creature like this before. And you could see me like staring at her like, are you in there, Barbara? Are you like, are you in there? I mean, and so I answered her questions, but she asked, who asked you? Shut up. You're banned. 
let's take that as a real life lesson, you and I, Jinx. You gotta have fun because you don't know what telephone calls can have to come through, right? I mean, shouldn't well, that be our lesson for the day? Let's have fun because that phone may ring. <laughs> the phone may ring and you never know who's on the other end. so much that I think is I think it's important for people to remember that they're you know it takes all of these stories together to create the progress that we were experiencing these days you know it, it takes having the stories of like gay people can be you know in the back rooms at bars and yes we have every right to live our lives you know having as much sex as we want and if they so choose, they can be monogamous and have children. And, you know, uh, there's there's the elements of heteronormativity and what's praised over this or that. Um, but it takes all of that together to move us forward. It's almost like, to me, it's kind of like maybe, you know, like maybe queer people felt abandoned by you by you know going on television and talking about monogamy and and what I loved is you called it human words it's not like gay words versus straight words okay, monogamy well, and commitment so come, and love. so come back to that you yeah. just you actually said in what you were just saying that heterosexual heterosexuality is normal heteronormativity yeah that's a you know I would not that's... say that. I would say <laughs> I would say that that homosexuality is normal. Heterosexuality is normal. Homosexuality is normal. I know abnormal. I have the phone numbers of abnormal and I could give them to you. But <laughs> but but you know, you're really talking about the majority, you know, yeah. because the majority is this way. Well, the majority doesn't make what's normal. The majority makes what the majority makes. Yeah. You know, it's and it's not. Being gay is normal. I did a lot of research to write a play called Casa Valentina that was about heterosexual transvestites. They were men in the 50s and 60s who'd go up to the Catskills and and spend the weekend dressing up as women. They believed they they had a woman inside. They had called it the girl within. These were mostly married men with children and blah, blah, blah. Some of the wives came up. Some of the wives wanted no part of it. But they go and they and they would live out this way. Well, when I heard about them and when I started writing about them, I figured, oh, this is going to be this little niche group. You know, it'll be fun to write about them, blah, blah, blah. Mary Louise, none of them did it. Not two of them did it for the same reason. Not two of them. One did it because they liked the feel of the silk on their body. One, you know, wanted to look in the mirror. One only liked photographs. One wanted to have sex with men because I'm now a heterosexual woman. So, of course, I would want to have sex with men. Others wanted nothing to do with sex. They were as different. And I mean, and you're talking about, you're talking about a little tiny niche group. So if this little Mm. tiny niche group doesn't have two people the same, how do you then say heterosexuals are normal? Yeah. Every heterosexual I know is different. Some like it up the ass, some don't. It's fine with me, honey. Have another drink. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 there's so no. So maybe, maybe in the queer community, we should replace the idea of heteronormativity with, um, 
homonormativity. No, or because normal we is can the just wrong call it thing. <laughs> normal. It's the is, normal part. There is yeah. no normal because there is no two of us who are exactly alike. The church yeah. would love to make everybody alike. That's what they do. That's what mm-hmm. they do. That's their business. Their business is to make everybody alike. To to like, and we're all in this, and and it because it's a way to rule people, to give yeah. them rules that they have to follow, and all that. But there's no two people in that church who are exactly alike. I mean, there's no, it's just, why don't we just accept being human beings and that we're all different human beings with different needs and it doesn't make us good, it doesn't make us bad, as long as we're not hurting anybody else or forcing our views on anyone else. And every church I know does force their views on everyone else. Um, Well, but I'm saying, you can't say I'm right and you're wrong. So I'm right for me. Yeah. And you're right for you. And that's just gay with me. But, <laughs> but, you know, but there's no, but normal is just such a useless term. You can say Absolutely. majority. You can say we yeah. live in a, in a heterosexual majority nation. That's true. Yeah. But, but, you know, you, you give, you give a straight man enough drink. Well, we all know that. <laughs> oh yeah. My go-to, my tired old go-to drag queen joke is yeah. spaghetti straight until you get it hot and wet. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sister. Testify. <laughs> Testify, sister. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, over the years of telling all the different stories, that's how we get to where we are today, where everyone on Grinder is in an open relationship. And, you know, you and, and we know now in the community, um, and we probably knew then, but we talk about it now, that there is, you know, there's commitment and monogamy are not the same exact thing. You can be committed to a person without being monogamous. You can be monogamous to a person and not really feel that committed to them. And it's it's gotta be okay between those two people. And Mm -hmm. if it is okay between those two people and one isn't lying, then as we say in Yiddish, go in good health and come in good health. Have a good time. (laughs) But But if one's unhappy, one's unhappy. And to make your happiness out of what is normal is never going to make you happy. Well, Mm. studies that the happiest people around are heterosexual with a job, not a career, a job. Mm. They belong to a church and they're in in a committed relationship. And the reason is because they have their schedule worked out. They have their lives worked out. They don't question anything. And so you're happy if you don't yeah. question anything. If But if you wake up in the morning, you go, why is that? Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Mm. Uh, well, I'd rather be in trouble. I'd rather ask questions. I'd rather live a life of asking questions, you know? Oh, yeah. But let's let's get off the, the who sucks dick and who doesn't. <laughs> let's talk about gender for a, a minute. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. You know, we used to think of, of homosexuality and heterosexuality, and gender was sort of on the side well yeah we used to we used to think that gender walked hand in hand with one's sexuality and that's just not the case you know your gender and your gender expression is completely separate from your sexuality and you you've talked a bit about um straight drag queens we've got a straight drag queen on drag race right now and what have we got on jeopardy <laughs> And what do we have as the Jeopardy champion? Oh, yeah. We have Amy. our first 
Amy, who, how many, how many episodes is it now? Like 30 something episodes? 35 episodes. She's the, um, the Jeopardy champion. And we are talking Jeopardy is like this this is what my grandma used used to watch when she was around. Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. And when I think about all the grandmothers across America seeing this trans woman win time and time again, probably blowing all kinds of expectations that people who have never encountered a trans woman, a trans person in their life, you know, I think about how major that is. And it's something it's as, beyond major. as just being good at Jeopardy. It's you know, that's all it is. It's beyond major. <laughs> I loved, you know, I loved what she put up. I don't know if you saw it. We had a little exchange between the two of us. She had put up, she said, um, I want to thank everyone who has written to me to tell me that I'm a man. Thank you very much. It never occurred to me. And um, so I will take this, you know, she made some comment like that. And I wrote back and I said, and I said, I cannot imagine a better answer uh, from her than this. I couldn't be prouder of her if she was my own daughter. And she got like all clumped over that. But I say, America sits down. Remember, television is, is, What's so great about RuPaul's Drag Race, what's so great about about her on Jeopardy, you know, that television is so intimate because most people are watching in their underwear. You know, they're sitting <laughs> at home with their hand down their pants, diddling a little or drinking a beer, you know, watching on, on, the, on, the, on the television. You know, they, they live in a, in a four foot by six foot room, but they have an 18 foot television and they're watching TV on this giant screen. And, and there's a, transgender woman being treated as a woman, being treated with respect, answering questions that I couldn't dream of answering if I lived 180 years and had the book in front of me. If you let me look it up on my on Wikipedia, I still couldn't answer it. And and below and winning millions of dollars. How is that going to change the world? Unbelievable. There was a movie. Do you remember a movie called The Celluloid Closet? No, I don't. Vito Russo wrote a book. Um, he's long past now, but he wrote a book called The Celluloid Closet. And it was all about mm-hmm. early Hollywood, the stuff you were talking about mm-hmm. before, and gays yeah. in Hollywood and all that in early movies. And it was a whole study. And you should uh, go to the bookstore and steal it. Um, because it's a very expensive <laughs> book. Uh, and anyway, after Vito died, they made a movie of it. Uh, Lily Tomlin. Uh, who was mm-hmm. one of his dearest friends, uh, uh, produced it, and, and we all raised the money for it and all this shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in the movie, there's a moment where, and of course, this didn't ha- you know, it was edited together, where they ask Arthur Lawrence, you know, who he was, Arthur Lawrence, he wrote uh, The Way We Were, and Gypsy, and mm-hmm. and uh, West Side Story, and all that, and we did Lacage mm-hmm. together, he directed Lacage that I wrote. So they asked him, what do you think of sissies? I hate sissies. They give us all a bad name. And, you know, sissies, if it wasn't for sissies, we'd get some respect around here. And they cut to me and say, what do you think? I love them. 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 Because no matter what, people are looking at them. And they're enjoying them on some level. And they make it okay to be gay. I'm not scared of that guy who's the, you know, the sissy in an old movie. I think he's kind of funny. I like him. You know, the Paul Lins or the yeah. Liberace. Liberace, yeah. how the women love Liberace. Never occurred him. to him. Never occurred yeah. to them that he was gay. So Rock Hudson, I used to joke with Rock Hudson. 
because he was never really closeted. I mean, he was closeted mm. by the Hollywood community, but he himself was never hiding that stuff. And I used to joke about how I broke my mother's heart when I said I was going out for dinner with Rock Hudson. She just <laughs> broke, her, broke her little heart. And she knew, she said, Harvey, you keep your hands off. Yeah, you keep your hands off. He's my man. He's my man. You know, I've been, I've talked about this for a long time and I I have people come up to me at meet and greets and tell me this. So, you know, it's tested, it's confirmed. But one of the things that I love that Drag Race has been able to do is um, introduce people who otherwise wouldn't have access to the queer community, introduce them to the queer community through entertainment. And that's one of the things that I've always loved about drag and why I gravitated towards drag. And I remember, you know, I remember being at pride festivals and hearing people talking about how the drag queens hold us back. And if, and if straight people think we're all just drag queens and sissies, they're not going to let, you know, it takes all of us in the community. You know, we're not fighting for one type of queer person to have, have rights and freedoms. You know, we're right. We're fighting for the entire community. So, and if drag queens are able to welcome people in and show them, you know, some glitter and some entertainment and sing them a song, you know, and welcome them in that way, and then show, like you said, like, show the people that were nothing to be afraid of. If Amy on Jeopardy changes people's minds because they always thought one thing about what trans women are or one thing about what queer people are, if Amy going on Jeopardy, winning 35 episodes of Jeopardy changes minds, you know, that's all it takes is just people being themselves loudly in public. It's exposure. (laughs) It's just exposure. You know, and you, you, you my my I had my cousin the queer, my my mother's favorite cousin. <laughs> uh, my brother and I, when we were little kids, we called him my cousin the queer. We didn't really understand what it means or whatever, but he was mm-hmm. gay. The scandal was not that he was gay. The scandal was he brought and that, that he brought a man to my bar mitzvah. The, <laughs> sc- the scandal was he brought a black man to my bar mitzvah. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So even in that little world because he was so at home with being gay, it wasn't such a shock, you know? Mm-hmm. And now they actually saw a black man at a bar mitzvah and it was allowed <laughs> and it was okay. And the rabbi didn't have to throw things at him to make him do it. <laughs> nothing, nothing happened. We didn't have to it cut the It was completely uneventful. We didn't have to cut the end of his penis off or anything. It's just, <laughs> he could still have the gefilte fish. <laughs> well, you know, I I want to just take a moment to mention that, um, you know, s- since the work that you've created, um, you know, we have Ginger Minge. Uh, we had Ginger Minge singing I Am What I Am. And I'm sure everyone listening will remember that um, clip of Ginger Minge, Ginger Minge singing I Am What I Am. And then it cuts to you. I and there you are having out. your moment. Sitting with, to, sitting, with, so, sitting with Bob the Drag Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Bob the Drag Queen was sitting opposite me. And I'm just crying my eyes out watching, just, watching them sing. I loved that so much because it felt like such a... I don't know. It just felt like such a culmination of things. And it felt like 
um, look at where we are right now. And and it felt like such a celebration of you and your work. And then we've got Nina, um, we've got Nina West playing Edna on tour right now. I, I, and... write, her, I write her every couple of days. <laughs> yeah, I, kind of I, I think of her as a daughter, of course. Yeah, I do think of her so as a daughter. Lovely. But, you know, um, when, and I hope people do, you know, besides everything else, I hope they do get the book because there's so much in it. But, but you have to read the story of how hard I fought to get Arthur Lawrence, who's gay, and Jerry Herman, who is gay, and those are the two people that with me we wrote Lagage, to put gay people in the show. Yeah. The two leads when we opened on Broadway were two of the most heterosexual human <laughs> beings that have ever hit the planet. I mean, it was like, and I the fights I had with Arthur over that, over, I kept saying it, it makes a difference. I said, you know, you could have a young actress who's the greatest, most talented, born, you know, born with this unbelievable talent. She can't play a grandmother. There are things that the world hasn't shown her. There are experiences she hasn't had. The same thing with playing gay. You can play gay, but it's not the same. Yeah. That you went through standing up in your school and singing and singing a song, you know, singing the song that you chose to sing. There's a cost I went through. Um, and that can be used. Not that we always have to play that role, but when that role comes up, nobody could play it like we can. Absolutely. Nobody I knows that. A better, a better sentiment on, you know, because we, we are seeing it a lot right now and it's a constant discussion of representation and giving actors the roles that were written for them rather than giving it to the straight pretty boy and I think about it um a lot in, in drag you know there's lots of drag roles being written now and they call in 20 drag queens to audition for it and then give it to the give it to the pretty cis boy who's never done drag a day in their life and the you original. just don't have those experiences to draw from you in might the, give a great performance right, but it's well, not going to be informed the original company <laughs> of lacage mm -hmm. arthur lawrence stuck two women in the in the drag line and i said mm -hmm. you mean you're, you're gonna have them dressed as men no they're gonna be two of the girls and i said <laughs> what are you doing and he said this way if any heterosexual men in the audience are attracted to the drag line. Um, they can say, well, I was attracted to the girl. <laughs> anyway, these, these are the fights we have. By the way, eventually two gay men did finally go into Lacage. He mm -hmm. called me up and said, Harvey, I don't say this often. I don't say it loudly. You are right. <laughs> Well, congratulations, Harvey. And um, the book is I Was Better Last Night. Everything we've talked about is in the book. And you know what that title means. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, every performer knows what that title means. <laughs> oh, honey, I think every former night. drinker knows what that oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that. I, it's, yes. it's My a, Getting it's Sober a, is in the book as well. <laughs> I have certain questions that I ask every guest. Okay. I'm going to ask you them okay, now. Okay, because we, we only have five minutes. We have five minutes. Oh, my God. We have five minutes. I feel the pressure. I feel the pressure. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. It's crowding. It's crowding. First question, 
Who is your celebrity crush today? Oh, come back to that. There's so many beautiful men. <laughs> this, this is a world so full of beautiful men, is it not? And, and it really is. It really is. There's so many, there's so many beautiful men. I don't know. I don't know. I won't I don't know about you, but yeah, who's yours? Oh, well, let me, uh, oh, who, who, uh, I don't know. Well, no, in the book, no in, the book I write about, in the book, I write about being, you know, 13 years old, and it was mm. Richard Chamberlain, mm. uh, um, 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 oh, God, what's his name, Sean, um, um, you know, 007, James Bond, um, um, Sean, Sean Connery, sorry, Sean I could have helped Thank with you. that, I was just um, the TV Tarzan, Ron Ely. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Luke Halpern on Flipper. Those were my those were my crushes when I was when I was a kid. And I actually got to tell um, two of the three. I got to talk about it with two of the three. <laughs> Nothing's uh, there's nothing like telling your crush that they're your <laughs> yeah. crush. In, in Sean Connery, Sean Connery just sort of stared at me, and his <laughs> wife finally said, "His wife finally said he's trying to say thank you." <laughs> I'll say my my celebrity crush today is um, Gus Kenworthy. Um, um, our, I don't our, know who he is, but that's a good. He, he was, you know, he he's an Olympic athlete um, oh, okay. who, who's super duper gay, okay. <laughs> and he just popped up in my mind because I think he just posted a butt picture the other day, and I was like, "Thank you, Gus. Thank you. Thank you." Um, <laughs> Gonna put that over the toilet and dream. <laughs> yes, what other next, questions do you ask? My next question yes, is, and, and you mentioned being atheist, but would you consider yourself spiritual in any way? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, you know, my, my, like a lot of AA type people, I consider my God group of drunks. You know, yeah. people, people who have been there before me, walked the path, survived it, and can tell me you're fucking up. So, but uh, but yeah, I pray almost every day. Um, not that I think anybody out there is hearing me. It just helps me focus. It helps. Absolutely. Um, and 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 I do believe I, I. You know, you and I are made out of the same thing. This bottle cap is made out of where the, uh, stuff doesn't get invented, doesn't get. You know, it just changes form. It just changed. You know, we we back to dust, and then that dust becomes something else. So we and the earth and everything else are all connected. This it's nothing spiritual about it. It's an actual fact that we're all connected. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so why not feel like you're connected? You know, absolutely. I, but I don't and, believe you know, in an afterlife or anything like that. Just the act of praying, you know, whether, like you said, it doesn't have to be that someone's listening, but the act of mm-hmm. thinking something and then speaking it to words, that does a lot for us. Just exactly. from our mouth to our brain, from our own mouth to our own ears, that and has sometimes an effect Sometimes we can on learn us. to tell the truth that way. You know, what <laughs> yeah. if we can learn to tell ourselves the truth. I mean, have you ever seen a drag queen who can actually turn to a mirror and not all of a sudden adjust their entire face? Oh, no, it's, yeah. it's habitual. Yeah. You know, and yeah. in every reflection, it doesn't have to be a mirror. Right. So, it I, can't be, so if we can't, <laughs> if we can't even look at ourselves in the mirror, how can we listen to the truth in ourselves? <laughs> you actually have to work at it. So, yeah. so yeah. So it's it, it takes it takes way. practice. It um, your final question oh, is: Oh my God, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I don't do that because, <laughs> you know, because because I live this life of that, um, you know, mm-hmm. because because I actually got, I mean, Jinx Monsoon, just between the two of us. Don't tell nobody. But with this voice and this face, this fag, 
starred on Broadway <laughs> as a woman in a broad and a multi-million dollar Broadway musical <laughs> and won the fucking Tony for it. You think I'm gonna bother with karaoke? Up yours. <laughs> I, I'm Carol fucking Channing and I don't care <laughs> Perfect answer. No, thank I mean, you so I, much. You know, and I also and I love I was just writing to somebody that I can't uh, that I can't get, you know, I get I get stuck on music, but I wish I had a gorgeous voice. I really do. I actually know what I sound like. Not in my own head. I don't sound like that at all. But, but in my own head, it's I'm Kristen Chenoweth. I but, uh, I would take iconic over gorgeous. You oh, know, okay. when 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 you think of the people who have stood the test of time, they're not always the best singers, but we know their voice. I'll tell and you Harvey, really quick, we will I'll tell you always know your story. voice. I'll tell you a really quick story. That, that's <laughs> also in the book already. When we okay. were doing a revival of La Caja Fall. And Jerry Herman said to me, thank you for letting me cast all these people. This is the best group of singers I've ever had. And I said, sing, who cares about singing in musical theater? <laughs> so he said, well, I'm the composer, I do. I said, are you telling me you would rather have had Montserrat Caballé play, play Dolly instead of Carol Channing? And he said, absolutely. It freaked me out. I said, you're lying, you're lying. He said, no, I'm a composer. I want to hear my music. Well, when I had to do La Caja Fall, they were putting me in, in a dress. I looked in the mirror and I said, well, I may never sound like Montserrat Caballé, but I look like her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jinx Monsoon. It's been a lovely time. Thank and, you um, so much. Please accept our door prizes. They're at the door. <laughs> Just open that door behind you and you'll find three naked men and an Olympic torch. What you do with them is your business. Thank you so much, Harvey. It's been an honor and a privilege. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and go win more four, uh, four more Tonys for us, okay? All right. Bye, little cookies. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Harvey, for telling us all your stories. And if you want to hear more about the stories we talked about today on hijinks, be sure to pick up your copy of Harvey Firestein's book, I Was Better Last Night, coming out March 1st. Thank you all so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hijinks. To listen to Hijinks ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Hijinks is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon. Produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. And executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Big Dipper, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.